Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan. Welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to your app store and search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. I'm so glad to see all of you here. We were concerned about what we would experience tonight, if people would even show up. And so your testimony uh, to your, um, uh, just your willingness to come. And, and uh, we know that a lot of people watching online tonight as well, because obviously the road conditions haven't been great. And I have to tell you, even when I say good evening, uh, I keep wanting to say good morning. I'm so used to speaking to you in the morning. And a lot of people even did that on my way in. But uh, the other thing I found out from some of the parents is when I was asking about, you know, uh, uh, you know, just, hey, thanks for coming. They were like, no, thank you for having this. We just need to get our kids out of the house for a little bit, you know, so, so we get kind of those pressures and things. But uh, one of the things that we've been doing as part of our series is we've been talking about this idea of um, stardom. And I have to tell you, there's always a practice that we have at Dayspring, as well as many other churches, that we light the candles for the Advent season. And so we take time to light four candles. And then, as you notice, there is still one that has yet to be lit tonight. And this whole story of stardom, what we wanted to think about is the idea that a big God became very small to make a big difference in our world. And so when we look at the other candles, what's interesting about all of them is this, is that all of the candles have their own focus. So, you know, first we looked at hope, and then we looked at peace, and then we looked at joy, and then last week we looked at love. But in the midst of all that is still the reason why we come and why we celebrate. And that's to remember that Christ is the reason for this. And they lit all the other candles, but I I don't think they trusted me to light a candle, so they just gave me a push button there today. Um, But we light the Christ candle today, representing Emmanuel, God, with us. That God stepped out of heaven to be with us. And all that he represents are those four various candles. And so tonight we're going to spend some time talking about that. And as one of the parts of this sort of uh, season, one of the things that we wanted to do is we wanted to make sure that we use some video references to help sort of tell the story of Christmas. And so uh, we did that tonight as well. Um, We spent some time with different movies, but we thought which movie best describes sort of what we experience at Christmas time. And the uh, movie we decided to go with uh, was that of um, um, A Christmas Carol. And uh, I never knew it was called Christmas Carol for the longest time. To me, it was just always called Scrooge. And uh, so I found out this Christmas Carol. But again, uh, as, is, as part of the series, is I don't tell you the story. Uh, we've enlisted the help of Jim Bell, and he gives you the unnecessary telling of the Christmas story. So I'm going to let him tell it to you at this point. Welcome to Unnecessary Recaps with Jim Bell. I'm your host... Jim Bell, huh? <laughs> and today, we're going to be recapping the movie A Christmas Carol. But which one? This unnecessary recap presents itself to be a rather tricky feat, as this epic novella, composed by Charles Dickens in 1843, has been reproduced in thematic form nearly 150 times. So which should it be? There's the movie Scrooge with Bill Murray, Ghosts of Girlfriends Past with Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right. A Bugs Bunny Christmas Carol, Barbie in A Christmas Carol, 
My son loved Thomas the Engine version, but I was kind of partial to the Powderpuff Girls version myself. But let's just keep it simple. Your standard, everyday version of a Christmas carol, as told by Jim Bell. We start with a dastardly miser named Ebenezer Scrooge, who could care less that he's well-known for being a greedy, penny-pitching, gormandizing, tight-fisted, stingy, parsimonious chap. He loves money, lots and lots of money. Which just makes him a mean and lonely, and he just doesn't care. His business partner, Jacob Marley, dies and visits him one night, dragging his chains around the house, which is strange. He can walk through doors, but he can't slip out of chains? Not the smartest spook, if you ask me. Marley warns Scrooge that he has one chance to change his ways or he will end up like Marley. And this chance will be that very night with visits from three poltergeists, the ghosts of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas yet to come. Scrooge then goes on to experience the nightmare of nightmares. Yes, far worse than the one where you're falling or the one where you show up to school and you're not wearing any pants. The first ghost, the ghost of Christmas past, takes Scrooge to a lonely childhood scene and then jumps him to a Christmas party where his fiance Belle, which I guess makes Scrooge the beast, ironically dumps him because he's such a punk. After which he's handed off to the ghost of Christmas present where he visits the home of Bob Cratchit, Scrooge's employee that he treats like trash. During their Christmas feast, he meets Tiny Tim. You know, the, uh, God bless us, everyone. Kid, who looks like he could come right out of a Shriners Hospital commercial. And here's that Tim's going to die soon if he doesn't get the medical help the Cratchits can't afford. And then finally the last ghost, the ghost of Christmas yet to come more like the Grim Reaper, where he visits a scene where people are celebrating someone's death, Scrooge's death. When Scrooge discovers that the only person sad he died is Cratchit, wait for it, Scrooge wakes up in a cold sweat, get this, to a Christmas morning snow, just like every Hallmark movie. Donates money to a charity, buys the Cratchits a turkey, raises the Bob's pay, and decks the halls with boughs of holly. Fa la 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 la, la 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 la. And that's pretty much the Christmas Carol. Well, again, we thank Jim for uh, that definitely unnecessary telling of the Christmas story. But one of the uh, key phrases in that uh, movie that uh, we thought just rarely um, set the stage for tonight was this. The quote is, For it is good to be children sometimes, and never better than at Christmas, when its mighty founder was a child himself. And I thought about what a way to send God into the world. You know, the world was expecting, especially the Jews, they were expecting this mighty warrior to come in and be, just sort of take on the kingdom right away. And Jesus, God, the Savior, the Messiah, shows up as a baby. And man, I, it, it took me back to, um, you know, when we had our children for the first time and our oldest man, when he, when he was first there. I mean, that was just such a warm moment for us. But I have to tell you that uh, um, when, we, when we had Chase, one of the things I couldn't wait for him to do is just to say something, you know. And of course, I was hoping it would be daddy rather than mom. You know, and uh, so eventually those first words came out, and then you couldn't wait to hear sort of what his message was, what he was thinking about. And the importance of what we want to look at tonight is this. 
The importance is, what was the message that Jesus came to share? Because if it was just about dying on the cross, that could have happened in a day. But there was a message that he wanted people to hear. And I believe that message is told within these four stories as well. So we're going to read uh, tonight from Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, a little bit of the Christmas story, and then we'll get into what those candles really represent and what they mean and the message that Christ had to share with us. It said, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you again for you coming to this earth, leaving everything you knew. All the pleasures, all the greatness of heaven to come down and be Emmanuel, God, with us. And Father, you chose to live and experience exactly what we experience in our setting. You gave up your Godhood to become human. And Father, I pray that tonight, if there is a message that someone needs to hear, I pray that they would hear it. But I also pray for myself, if there's anything that I would say that is incorrect, that Father, you would clean it up in the ears of people so that the only message they hear from tonight is the one that you have for them. So we give you thanks and praise in your name we pray. Amen. So when I thought about this whole theme and I thought about this story of a big God becoming very small and doing major things in our world, I thought, man, that goes really opposite to what we kind of experience in this world. Because today it seems like everyone is sort of in it for themselves. Like we need to make a name for ourselves. It's sort of this idea of branding ourselves. And in this world today, one of the big things that we talk about is we talk about influencers. And influencers, they've sort of taken on this sort of thing all on their own. But an influencer is somebody that kind of puts themselves out there, makes sure they're all over social media, and, and they, they come with these little skits, they come with these crazy things, but they're hoping at some point that they can get the message out there and that all of a sudden they'll become an influencer and companies will pay them to get their products out there so that you'll buy their products. And at the end of the day, what happens is we all want to sort of fit into what these influencers are doing. So we buy these things thinking that they will bring happiness, joy, peace, hope, or love, or whatever we care for. And at the end of the day, they really don't provide any of that. And what's interesting to me is where they're trying to build up their own name and just for their own riches, God left everything, all the riches, all the peace, all the hope, all the joy that he knew in order to come and be Emmanuel, which means God with us. He gave up all of that because of his love for us. And so when we lit the first candle of this first series, what we lit is the candle of hope. And the first point I want to make to you is this. There is no real hope without Christ. There is no real hope without Christ. And when we spent time talking about what hope meant, one of the things we looked at is we looked at what God meant to the people in the Old Testament because we knew that God was with them. He spoke to them. He, he led them into the promised land. Like they were having face-to-face -face conversations with them and they knew what God had brought them out of. They continue to see that their sin caused pain. And when they turned back to God, God would deliver them in some way. So they knew that God was with them in the past. 
And all the Old Testament prophecies eventually pointed to what we have found in Jesus, Emmanuel, which is again, God with us. And if you took all those prophecies and you laid them out and you try to figure a calculation of those becoming true, it would be astronomical what you would find. Because it's just not right. But when God decided to put things in order, it works out. And so God had all these prophecies in the Old Testament that led up to the figure in Jesus. So just like God was with them in the past, what we found is that when Jesus came in the form of a baby and he became Emmanuel, God with us, that he was with them in the present as well. And I have to tell you that hope is something that I think all of us need to hear. And hope is very different in the Bible than it is in our world. Because in our world, hope is more of a wish. You know, I wish that this person I marry, I'll be with forever and we'll be very happy. I wish that I have the best kids I could ever have. I wish that when I start my job for the first time, it'll bring me all the riches that I need to take care of my family and take care of some of my own desires as well. And we wish and we keep hoping that it'll happen. And then at the end of the day, it may or may not happen. Hope for them in the Bible was this that they knew something was going to happen. So when God was with them in the Old Testament, they had the assurance that he was with them. When he prophesied that there would be a Messiah that would come, a Savior that would come, when Jesus came into that world, it was Emmanuel, God with us. And so they saw that hope fulfilled and that they had that assurance that Jesus is with them. And I think some of you, that may be the most important message you have today. Because I think there are some of us who go through some pretty rough times in life. Maybe our marriages aren't where we want them to be. Listen, God is with you. Emmanuel, God with us. Some of you are having problems raising your kids. And you're trying to speak truth and life into them. And yet they seem to be making some wayward decisions. Listen, God is with you. Emmanuel. Some of you are going through some sicknesses that you can't get over, some diseases that have taken over your body, and you don't know what to do. It seems like there is no hope. Let me tell you this, God is with you, Emmanuel. And we have that hope and the assurance. And the greatest hope and the greatest assurance that God and Jesus gave us was this. God was with us in the past, he's with us in the present, and he told us he would come back and get us again. And we have that hope and that assurance that Jesus will come back one day. You see, there is no hope. There is no real hope without Christ. The second week, we took a look at the idea of peace. And we didn't get a big chance to go over this because this was part of the kids program as well. But I want to tell you this. There is no real peace without Christ. And when we thought about peace, it was interesting to me because when the Jews had this version of what they thought the Messiah was going to be, and when they had prayed about it, when they had thought about it, they thought a warrior would come, get rid of the Roman authority, and he would set up his kingdom here on earth. But when Jesus came in the form of a baby, it just kind of blew their mind because that was not the expectation. Why? Because a baby brings peace, not war. You don't look at a baby and say, you know what, I can't wait to fight with this kid. You know? And even though some of us will get there with our kids in like their teen years and we're thinking, man, I, but it wasn't like when that baby first came out, you didn't think that in your head, you're like, oh man, it's going to be so great. We're going to fight over so many things. Why? Because a baby brings peace. 
And when Jesus came into this world, when they thought he was going to cause war, he came in peace. Matter of fact, if you look at the messages that he gives, and the Sermon on the Mount, it's a great thing about that. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, I want you to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's way opposite of what we like to think. Because when somebody harms us, we want to harm them back. And so Jesus taught peace. And when Jesus eventually was arrested, and like we told this in some of our series is this, When Jesus was being arrested, the disciples thought, here we go. Now we're going to war. It says that Peter pulled out his knife and cut off one of the guard's ears as Jesus was being arrested. And then Jesus bent down, took that ear, put it back on that guy and healed him. And then Jesus made a statement. He said, guys, this isn't what I came to do. He said, I didn't come to cause a rebellion. And it was interesting because when he made that statement, all the disciples fled. Because that's not what they signed up for. What they signed up for was way different in their head than what Jesus came to do. And Jesus peacefully, when he could have called 10,000 angels down by his side, he decided peacefully to go with these soldiers. He decided to peacefully be accused of all kinds of things. He decided peacefully to let himself be beaten and put upon a cross and die. He did that. Why? Because in peace, he was showing his love and desire for you. There is no real peace without Jesus. The third week, then we talked about the idea of joy. And again, there is no joy without Jesus. And I have to tell you, it's just interesting to me because I think you have so many things in this life that are trying to offer you joy. They're trying to offer you peace. You got government officials that try to offer you peace and joy. They can't do it. You got people and bosses and whatever. They try to offer you real peace and real joy and they can't do it. No one can ever offer you those type of things. It's only Christ that can do that. But I have to tell you, in this world that we live in, it feels like there's so many things that want to suck the joy right out of us. And I want you to know, and what I've discovered is this, no one can ever steal your joy. You have to decide to give it up. And that's very hard to understand sometimes. But there are times when you might go home to your spouse, and they may be real negative, and it may feel like they're trying to suck the joy out of you. Listen, if they suck the joy out of you, it's because you've left them. There are some moments that you may be talking with your kids and, and you have some disagreements and it feels like it's a little, you know, a little tense and stuff sometimes and they might say some hateful words and stuff. Listen, if you let them, they will steal your joy. But you have to decide if you will still have joy. There are people who have been through some pretty stuff, tough stuff, just physically. And they've been bitter and they've been angry. But listen, that's your choice. Or you can choose joy. And I have to tell you this, man. There are some people that have said some hateful and mean things to me over time. But that's why I love what Jesus said in the peace one. He says, or in hope, he says, you know, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. And I have to tell you, when I'm willing to do that, then I don't turn over my joy. I get to keep my joy. And I get to keep my sanity. And so there is no joy without Christ. And at the end of the day, listen, even with all my faults and all that, the real joy is this. My salvation comes from Jesus. He's the one that forgives me for all my mistakes. And then lastly is this. We looked at the idea of love. And again, there is no love without Jesus. And when we looked at that sort of love story that was being written, the verse that we quoted was, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have 
eternal life. You see, it was a free gift that he gave. And when we looked at that love, we looked at it from a father's perspective and we looked at it from a mother's perspective. And I think if all of us would be honest, we realize that there's a certain love that comes from our father and there's a certain love that comes from our mother. But when you put those two kind of loves together, what psychologists tell us, if you receive the right amount of love from your father and the right amount of love from your mother, it will produce a great kind of love that they almost cannot describe. And I believe that that's what Jesus does for us. He gives us both a fatherly love and a motherly love that gives us an eternal love as well. And it makes a big difference. And this is what I love because the whole Bible is this. The whole Bible is basically God's love story for you and I. The second part of that verse, verse 17 of John chapter 3 says, For he did not come into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, he understands that you and I all have mistakes and problems in our lives. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to free you and forgive you. The ultimate love that he gave us is when he put himself out there on a cross. And I thought back to this story about Mary having that baby for the first time. You know, Mary bore Jesus to this world. But it was Jesus who ended up bearing the cross for you and I. It was Mary who went through the pain and the agony of childbirth. But when she held Jesus for the first time in her hands, some of you mothers can understand that. There is no greater feeling than that. All of a sudden, all this pain and all this anguish that you went through turns into this sobbing and crying because you're so happy that you have that little one and you extend so much love. And listen, when Jesus went on the cross and he went through all that pain and anguish, the thing that he was thinking about was you. And he knew that everything he was going through was so that you could be safe, that you could be free, and he showed his ultimate love for you. You see, there is no real love without Christ. And if I can give you one last illustration, it's so funny to me because, again, we have to think that, you know, some of you feel like you can have hope, some of you feel like you can have peace, some of you feel like you can have joy, some of you feel like you can have love. But if you don't have Christ, you really have nothing. And it reminds me of as a kid, like we used to have this fireplace or big fire thing down in our basement. And I remember um, dad would put in the wood and they would turn on the fire. And there was something kind of cool about that in that moment. Like you would, you would feel the warmth of that fire. You would smell that fire. You would hear the crackling of the wood. And, and you would experience all that going on right there. And I have to tell you, man, I used to just love kind of falling asleep in that sort of warm environment that I felt. I mean, it was a soothing moment. But today, it's weird because not everyone has fireplaces anymore. Like today, they think that having a fire is putting it on your TV and just watching it, you know? But that is not the same sensation, is it? You know, like we can see it, but you can't really experience or really feel it. And again, I think it's just like what we were talking about. You can have love, hope, peace, and joy. But if you don't have Jesus, you don't really get to experience what it's all about. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. We're going to have um, the worship team come up and lead us. We're going to sing some carols together. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to light a candle. We're going to bring them to you as well. But as we light that candle today, as we sing these songs, I want you to experience the warmth, see the fire, see this place lit up, and understand that without Christ, there is no hope, there is no love, there is no joy, and there is no peace without Him. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, 
visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.